Welcome to another edition of Len's Burning Bush. I am Len Harvey. Before I bring on my guest for the week, I want to talk about what's really burning my bush. So let me start this by saying if you've been listening to this for any length of time, first of all, I'm sorry, but you know I have an extreme distaste for rushing things, especially seasons, like from summer to fall, etc. So this next rant is going to be a little contradicting. So before Halloween, there were many people sounding off that they didn't want to see Christmas stuff up early, right? Christmas decorations. Let's face it, some of the stores out there, their stuff in September, they put it up because let's face it, they want to make money and this is their season to do it, right? The season of making money. There are many that say they won't want to see anything until after the Thanksgiving Day Parade, right? When Santa goes out and they get uh, the Christmas lights and that's when they, they want to see the Christmas stuff putting up. But to be honest with you on this, for some reason, I don't really care when people put up their Christmas tree. I don't get angry if somebody puts up their Christmas tree on November 1st or even October 28th. I really don't care. To me, this is a personal decision on how long they want to see the tree up and how festive they actually want to be. Now, before I come up with what I think could be a solution of sorts to all of this, I want to get into the details of the actual Christmas tree and when it began, right? So in Germany, uh, they are technically credited with starting the Christmas tree tradition in the 16th century. So way back in the 16th century, when devout Christians bought decorated, they brought decorated trees into their homes. Some actually built Christmas pyramids of wood and decorated them with evergreens and candles if the wood was even scarce. Now, the custom was developed in medieval Livonia, present-day Estonia, and Latvia. Uh, Latvia, and early modern Germany, where German Protestant Christians brought decorated trees into their homes. Now, Christmas trees are variously erected on days such as the first day of Advent, or even as late as Christmas Eve, depending on the country. And some customs of some fate hold that the two traditional days when Christmas decorations uh, are put up, such as the trees, they have to be removed, are the twelfth night. Now, according to the first tradition, those who fail to remember to remove their Christmas decorations on the Epiphany Eve must leave them untouched until Candlemas, the second opportunity to remove them. Now, failure to do so, could uh, this custom is considered unlucky. So you want to get them removed there. But So now that we know the history of the trees, I'm going to make a suggestion for everyone. If you're going to go put up a tree, then how about we just keep it up all year round. Okay. You can, you can decorate them for each holiday after. Now I have a good friend, Mandy, who actually does this. And I really like this idea because in February you can do Valentine's day tree in March, St. Patrick's day in April, you could do the Easter Passover tree or the East over, as I like to say in May, it could be Memorial day. You see where I'm going with this June flag day, 4th of July, all of these things, you can have them have the tree up. There is nothing wrong with having a tree in your house. And like the Dixie Chicks once said, you can also be one of those that leave their Christmas lights on the front porch all year long. And no judging. I don't care. You can do that. Let them enjoy the lights and the trees and stop giving them a hard time. Now, of course, if they start to rush my summer, I'm going to have to tell them to pipe down. With that being said, it's time to bring on my guest for the week. He is the host of his own syndicated morning show, This Morning America's First News with Gordon Deal 
Also, the stadium announcer for the New York Giants. Let's welcome for the second time, Gordon Deal. Now, Gordy, where do you stand on the actual Christmas tree and the stuff? Do you care when people put it up? Don't care when people put it up. Um, but the fun part for me at this phase in my life is watching my daughter, who's now 17, take charge of all decorations, um, including take out, put up, take down, put back. Um, this is her thing. She is a tchotchke kid. In fact, uh, we were at Hobby Lobby last night and just picking stuff off the, off the shelves because she knew there was a 50% off sale. So we're yanking stuff off the shelves and she has a vision for, for, for everything. But her rule is you do not put it up until Thanksgiving weekend. I like her, so, her. She's forceful about it. I love it. She is. And, and I said, listen, you know, this would look great if we put it up right now. And she looked at me like, no, no. Oh, no, no. This goes up Thanksgiving weekend and specifically uh, Black Friday or Saturday. Now, that was so that, my. So that's her yeah. thing. So so with the tree all year long, um, I'm not again, I'm at the point in my life where I'm not interested in like doing all that decorating. She probably would be. Um and those trees tend to take up a lot of space, you know, which which can be an issue in some people's homes. Um, so for me, uh, I'm just zeroing in on on the Christmas tree and the Christmas decorations, which must be, according to my daughter, done no earlier than Thanksgiving weekend. Well, that was the the side of the fence that I was on, which is her side, that it has to be after Thanksgiving. And then I start to think about it. Who am I to tell somebody, right, that if they want to put it up November 1st, what do I care? Why do people care so much that they are going to be so upset if they see something Christmassy? Now, granted, I have made a comment about this in August. I don't want to see pumpkin beer in August. So is this a similar yeah. thing, right? I, I, I shouldn't care that people um, – I shouldn't really care that people put up their Christmas tree early, and I shouldn't care that they get pumpkin beer. Everything is a thing. But it, it irritates me about the pumpkin. i got to be honest with you. I can I can actually hear it in your voice. Yes. I can hear the frustration in your voice. So <laughs> so 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 two different things, right? We are examining uh, somebody's private way of celebrating uh, in their home or on their lawn versus uh, a commercial store, uh, which may have brought out the Christmas decorations in late September, early October, which can tend to irk a lot more people because you know they're in the public eye. Right, so, and Macy's has a habit. I think it's September fifteenth. You'll start to see um, the tree and everything up, but yeah. I, and part of me doesn't blame them because let's face it, there's a there's a study that retail stores only make money from you know the time of Christmas season. They make enough to last for six months, eight months of the year. So I, I get get why they try to do it right because and they the other and the other study that's part of that is that um, if people shop early when they see the decorations out early they actually will spend a little more by the time the season is over. So wow. there's that. A little bit yeah. of a trick. I like it. See, that? Yes. these are the things we, we talk about. So I just think that at this point, you know, if you see people putting up their tree, obviously Thanksgiving's coming up. So it's a moot point anyway because it'll be up uh, from now until – it's the taking down of the tree. I guess I have friends that, you know, they'll put it up. And December 25th at 8 o'clock, they want to take it down. I'm like, oh, you know, that yeah. – I think you need to – at least New Year's, right? Maybe, take you know, a breath. Yeah, yeah, take a breath. I, I just don't want, I, I, I agree with you 
that if we do the tree all year long, I I, I don't want to be the one decorating it. That's yeah. not I'm that's not my bag, baby, as they say. Right. I'm, I'm not sitting there decorating the tree and I don't want to do it. But I, I think there are a lot of lazy people that if they put up the Christmas lights, you know, why can't they just get different color bulbs and, you know, this yeah. way keep them up? I don't know. It, it makes it for, uh, you know, I, I like the Christmas lights. I think that's a it's always been a thing for me that no matter what uh, religious denomination, it's Christmas. It's lights. It's it's beautiful. Festive. It's festive. Yeah, it's festive. Yeah. So I, I enjoy it. I, I always have. I'm one of the, you know, uh, the few tribesmen who who enjoy like a good Christmas lights and, you know, the tree. It never bothered me. I, I always used to call it my my Hanumas bush or Hanukkah bush, you know, you put it up. It's uh, it's kind of the combination of Hanukkah and Christmas. Uh, now the OC did uh, Christmica, but I liked Hanumas better. I always thought that Hanumas greeting cards, you know, would be yeah. a good, good thing, but I never, I never hit the boat on that one. Never, never. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Thanksgiving's coming up. And one of the things that uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Reese's uh, peanut butter cup, very much a favorite of a lot of people. I don't know. Do yeah. you like the peanut butter and the chocolate together? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, Reese's released a, the largest peanut butter cup ever. Yeah, we and, did the story on the show. Yeah, it's amazing. It, you know, nine inch diameter, weighing three point four pounds. I would be in love with this thing, but I can't get it now. They they only had three thousand of them, and, and they're all sold out. I can't even get them. It's forty four ninety nine plus tax. Let's put more out there, Hershey. Come on. I I would like to have. Um, I will pay the forty four ninety nine. Just get me my Reese's uh, big peanut butter cup. Would you pay fifty four ninety nine? Part of me is saying yes. <laughs> okay, so, so next year they'll roll out six thousand of these things, charge ten bucks extra, and like off they go. Right? Uh, well, I mean, there you, you're you're one hundred percent accurate. I think people we put too much value in uh, you know our time and everything. If we like something, uh, you know, we we will pay a little extra for it. It's uh, we're getting lazy. Have you? And yeah. The, the great thing about a Reese's peanut butter pie is that it pairs with so many things. You want to have it with your coffee in the morning? Terrific. You want to have it with some milk? Great. Oh, God. You want a little, you know, a little red wine to complement the chocolate? Oh. Perfect. That's the thing about, you know, chocolate and, and Reese's. It just goes with so many things. It is. It's, it's interesting. I don't know if you remember those commercials in the 70s and 80s with the you, you, you hit my chocolate or you got, you know, yeah, yeah, my yeah. peanut butter. Yeah. And, and who would have thought, like, it's, it's kind of interesting um, how things get made, but you know, if you be putting, I love anything with peanut butter and chocolate. There's, there's nothing bad that could come from that for me because yeah. I love peanut butter. You know, I could eat it all the time. I feel for the people. I always like said, if I ever was allergic to peanut butter, I would just have to keep taking the shot because I could not stop eating peanut butter. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of shots, have you had uh, the peanut butter whiskey? No, I have not. Uh, that sounds uh, very a, good. It's a brand uh, that, 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 Somebody introduced me to called Screwball with a K. Oh, okay. That's, I've I've yeah. heard of Screwball. Okay. Oh my goodness. All I right. Mean, so you get the the Screwball peanut butter whiskey, and like a small splash of your favorite chocolate liqueur, and now you've got your Reese's peanut butter cup flavor in a shot glass. Oh, it's spectacular. Now that sounds that does sound spectacular. That might have to. I might have to go out later and see if I could find this. Now, is it available in all stores or is it yeah. something? Okay. Well, I found it at my local shop. I've seen it at, at, at the giant, you know, the booze retailer. Oh, yeah. 
it's good stuff. And this is the things we think about as we get older. We want to find a drink that works for us, right? Is it pretty much right. what it comes down and, to? Well, and because and I say because I've been experimenting with 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 like brown liquor. I want to like brown liquor. I'm mostly a uh, I've traditionally been a red wine guy, occasional beer, and for like two months. I, I have been drinking tequila like it's going out of style. Oh, no. But I've started, <laughs> I, 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 every now and then I try to get into sipping a uh, little, little bourbon just to try to get into it. Um, but it's it's a heavy lift for me for some reason. That I just, I don't love it, but I keep trying it thinking I'm eventually going to like it. I got to find the right amount of ice in the glass. Um, that's That's what helps me drink it, but... I keep trying. Well, keep trying. I, I give you a lot of credit. And if you come to Kentucky, we'll have plenty of bourbon for you, oh, obviously. Yeah. So the bourbon is tremendous. But I will tell you this. As someone who is of Eastern European descent, basically, mm-hmm. vodka just is my bag. Like, I yeah. just I love vodka. And I could drink it with a little, like, Tito's and, and soda. I could sure. do the lime. I could do, I could do vodka and cranberry vodka. Anything with vodka. I love Bloody Marys. I do love it. But I will tell you that it takes a little bit getting used to with the bourbon because um, it is a little bit harsher on, on yeah. when, it, when it goes down, right? Yeah. But it's good. It's good. But it, I agree with you. It takes a little bit of getting used to. So we're going to get you for the next time you're on. I want to at least have your homework assignment that you need to have a little bit more bourbon. The tequila stuff will kill you. I mean, that you know, they, they, have, a, they have songs that says tequila make my clothes fall off for a reason, you know? Joe, Joe Nichols, right? Yeah. Nothing good happens after midnight, and nothing good yeah. happens after five shots of tequila. Speaking of which, uh, since we reference country music, I know you referenced the Dixie Chicks early on. Um, I don't know. That I, Gretchen Wilson also sings that uh, Christmas lights on my front porch all year long. I don't know if that's. Uh, oh, you know, know what? I probably screwed up. Yeah, that wasn't the Dixie Chicks. No, uh, no. It, I, I, I actually made a mistake. You caught me. It is Gretchen Wilson who sings the song. Uh, redneck woman was what I was thinking. Very about. good. Very I, good. Yes. So I, yep. I screwed up. It is not the Dixie chick. So fact checking, you know, Susan wants to be my fact checker. Cause when she listens, she says that there are times when I'll say something and then I can't think of it right away. Cause you know what happens when yeah. you get old, right? You're, and you're doing a live program. You're not, um, so you forget stuff and she wants to right. be my fact checker. So thanks. Thank you. It is. Yes, well, it is Gretchen Wilson. Well, first of all, when you are married, that means you now have a fact checker partner. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. I, I agree with you. I think you're so. right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. You're, you're fact checking. Your arguments are all about fact checking. Absolutely. And after how you many said years? That. No, I didn't. You told me. No, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so with Thanksgiving coming up, are you uh, the ones? Uh, your family? Do you do? Do you do kind of a a twelve noon two thirty? What, what time do you have dinner on Thanksgiving? Because Kelly Ripa is coming down, and, and why we have to listen to Kelly Ripa about this, I don't know. But she's coming out, and she's saying that, you know, some households begin between 2 and 4. She thinks it should be more towards dinner time, like 7 o'clock or 8. I think that's too late. I like, I like a 2.30. I don't know about you, because that's a lot of food. Well, that's – and I think that's – I think you hit it right on the head. Because you're expected to overeat, or maybe not expected, but because you tend to overeat, I like it at 2.30. It at least gives you a fighting chance in the evening to maybe burn off some of those calories so you're not going to bed with you know, a 25-pound lead weight in your stomach. That's, and and I, I tend to graze, so I overdo it early on. So as soon as like the shrimp cocktail comes out, 
with the cheese and the pepperoni oh. uh, and the celery with dip or the carrots with dip, but I'm done. I know. Well, you have I'm to, done. you can't see, that's the thing. There is more food. I, I've been saying this for years. There is more food on a Thanksgiving table in one day than probably we have on our tables, maybe the whole year. I mean, that is, it's just amazing how much yeah. food we think we can consume. It's like, how many people are coming to this event? You could have a hundred people and still have plenty for everyone with all this. And I don't know if there's enough stretchy pants in the world. So I think what people need to do is don't forget to turn your bathroom scales back 15 pounds on Wednesday night yeah. because, Jeez. you know, because it's ridiculous on how much food we actually consume. Now, explain to me why we all love turkey and stuffing and all these things that are on that what's your favorite side dish by the way before we get started what do you let, like let, let me just say we, we generated on twitter somewhat of a, of a controversy because i maintained on the radio show for a handful of days that turkey is the most useless meat imaginable <laughs> on thanksgiving <laughs> you know it's there's no you know and listen, and then my friends chime in. Well, you know, you got to fry it, you, you got to inject it so it's it's juicy. And I'm like, fine, but like, you know, what? steak doesn't need that much work. <laughs> I am I am on a mission. Like, I'm on hashtag no turkey. That's my thing. There's just no need for turkey. You give me like that really seasoned stuffing. Give me the mashed potatoes with with the gravy. Um, I I. Unlike many people, I love green bean casserole or creamed onions. I'm good. The turkey is just taking up space. Like, it's dry. It's never prepared correctly. Can we stop pretending that turkey is a good meat to have on Thanksgiving? There's no need. Give a little skirt steak. It's fine. Uh, filet mignon, good. You want to get burgers without the bun? Fine. I'm just, I'm, I'm over the turkey. It's, it's just people, stop pretending that we like turkey. It's not good. This would have been a great, you should have started the rant today. That is the best. I agree with you 100%. Do um, it next week. Well, Do it my, on your own. I was going, I was going to actually say, why is it that we only have turkey one, if it was this good, why do we exactly. only have it one day a year? Maybe you have it on Christmas too. I guess there is people that do the turkey, but mostly ham though. Ham is great. Ham is another tremendous um, meal. So I think that you're right. I think that turkey, so you do have to, so the key is on a turkey. So it could be that somebody's not preparing it well. And I will uh, side a little bit on your friend and say, look, if you put, a, uh, all you have to do in the carcass of the turkey before you cook it and baste it is you actually put, uh, whether it's an apple or some kind of a fruit inside the carcass while it's cooking. It doesn't have to be peeled or anything. Just throw it in there, and that will exude the juices of the turkey so that it isn't dry. And why do you think, of course, you need gravy on it too, right? It's like right. steak. You don't need any A1 sauce. You, you right. can do it without, right? I yeah. agree with you, I think, steak. But if you do cook a, a, a decent turkey, you know, turkey's good for, like, sandwiches. Um, I, I'm big, like, turkey sandwich, turkey and Swiss, day, or right? next yeah. day, the yeah. sandwiches – People like turkey soup or whatever, but uh, you know I'm with you because it does take a lot of room up on your plate, and there's so many other good things to eat on Thanksgiving that it's kind of like secondary, yeah. mostly. So and again, so you're talking about sandwiches or leftover turkey, but it it's always in the context of a sandwich, yeah. And you got to put something on the sandwich, you right? Do. It's just not turkey between two slices of bread, right? Or turkey in the soup, you know? You're likely adding carrots and celery and onions. 
And again, Turkey just needs a lot of help. Turkey's so dependent it's, as a meat. It's, it's terrible. Very. I needy. almost feel bad for Turkey. Turkey is a needy meat. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag needy meat. There you yes. go. Turkey, the needy meat. Turkey dependency. Oh, I love it. Turkey dependency. But it, well, most people will enjoy it. I, I just, I'm trying to figure out. It's kind of like the pumpkin sensation. Is why is it if it's so good? Why do we ha- have it all year round? Right. It's the same with turkey. Like we need to have another turkey day, but it's almost too much food. You're like, you can only do it once a year. I think that's yeah. more than what it is. So we'll switch over to baseball because obviously big, big news this week. The Mets actually finally, they, they, I mean, they could have waited till March or April, but they finally decided to name a general manager and Billy Eplin uh, got the job, Billy Epler rather, uh, 11 years. And he w- worked under uh, Brian Cashman. So, um, he made a comment, I think, this week in the post. He talked about how um, he doesn't think he's going to uh, give anything, uh, uh, any trades to Brian Cashman anytime soon either. What, what are your thoughts of that? Uh, I, the Mets have disappointed me for so long and have underachieved for so long that I only now pay attention to the Mets. Um, I would say the uh, second and third week of April, and that's pretty much it then I have just moved on to other things in my life. So I don't pay any attention to spring training. Um, you know, sometimes an injury obviously gets my attention. Um, uh, you know, when the game starts uh, late March, early April, I tend to think that, uh, you know, either the pitchers or the batters have the advantage at that time of year. And by the second or third week of April, like we've got a pretty good feel of, of what's happening. And by the third week of April, I'm generally done with baseball season. So I don't, I, I, and I, and I was kind of hoping that under uh, Steve Cohen, right, the new owner, things would be somewhat different. I'm still somewhat optimistic, but I, I, I just will not pay attention to anything the Mets do or say until the product on the field captures my attention. And right now, it is not. It, it seems like there are organizations out there that are just destined to do stupid things, um, and, and you know, the Jets are definitely one of them. I mean, the Jets are an abomination. I mean, yeah. I, I don't understand how you could consistently be that bad at drafting or that bad at picking a coach. I, I mean, you know, Sala was a decent coach in San Francisco, a defensive-minded coach. He comes to the Jets, and they're giving up 40 points a game. I mean, yeah. I don't understand that. Like, they seem to go to – that. You go. it used to be the Raiders were always that way also with Al Davis, but later on in, in, in the years – the Lions are another – I mean, Dan Campbell sitting there with uh, uh, the the Steeler-Lions game last week. I watched it. It was like three and a half hours of my life. I will never get back. Ends in a 16-16 tie. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there with Dan Campbell with a quarterback that has uh, Jared Goff, who has a hurt back, can't throw the ball, and he decides on third and 13 to run the ball. I mean, th- he should have been fired immediately after that game. But – I just think that there's some organizations that never seem to get it right. And the Mets have been in that category recently. It just doesn't, they just, I don't know why you wait. You know, there's people already signing with teams and you wait until, you know, November to get your GM. It just seems a little bit off. All right. So for the Mets, I mean, there was a time uh, three years ago where you thought if that pitching rotation was healthy, that they might not ever lose a game, right? Right. You had Degrom, Syndergaard. You would know more than I. But like, Harvey, uh, the, Har- he was part of that original. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah. So what, what happened? Like, I, I, well, I, I Syndergaard is now with the Angels, right? Didn't he go uh, to? So yeah, I, yeah, didn't he go with the Angels? I, I don't know. I'm, 
I, I look at it as, and, you know, the Yankees are kind of in the same boat. They keep, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And watching the Tampa Bay Rays and the all these other teams, the Red Sox, just pass you by um, yeah. doing it a different way. And it seems like whatever money the Yankees and the Mets spend is never good. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm more into, at, at this point, since I coach high school soccer, right, I'm, I'm very much into – the psychology of the game, and not so much the the tactics or the technical stuff. So when I look at a team like the Jets and understand that the NFL is a quarterback league, the Jets have now been without a quarterback for an entire generation, right? Not since Joe Namath had they have, have they had somebody um, with kind of that that winning attitude. So the, the Jets are not going to win until, until they get a quarterback. And you look at all these teams that have suddenly popped up and have become competitive, they've gotten a quarterback. The Cleveland Browns were in that boat also. Didn't have a quarterback for a generation, right? Now they've got Baker Mayfield. And, uh, you know, some of these teams, some of these teams never skipped a beat. Like the Green Bay Packers essentially went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Right, but they got and, a problem and, uh, going to love point, them. I mean, at one point, the Indianapolis Colts went from uh, Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck for that for yeah. that brief stretch, right? So some fans of those teams don't know what it's like not to have a quarterback, but the Jets are a team that have not had a quarterback now in fifty years. Like it is, it's unbelievable that 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 they they haven't been able to do that, and therefore it's very understandable why they're not ever competitive. No, agreed. And, and you you can look back to the Jets, and and certainly you're right, Namath, and and they really. You know, they had Richard Todd, and they, they were decent with the defense and the A.J. Dewey game in 82. You know, certainly there's, you know, that. And then you moved on, and, and they had a chance to draft a really good quarterback, and they went for a sub guy, Ken O'Brien. And it's kind of been the – the since Ken O'Brien, um, it has kind of been that mediocrity yeah. um, since then. And, you know, they could have drafted Marino. Like, and, and the Steelers could – I mean, so many teams could have drafted Marino – but you look at the Jets, and you're right. I mean, they just don't seem to get it right. They can't get out of their own way, and I don't understand. I mean, Parcells came there for a couple of years and did okay, and they, they went to the AFC Championship game, right, or, or at least uh, one year. Yep. But, you know, Vinny Te that was Vinny Testaverde, um, yep. who was on the end of his career but did a nice job while he while was there before he got hurt. Uh, but it's even, you know, they don't seem – I just – I'm trying to figure this out. You know, they, they go up and, and draft, you know, a guy who, you know, seemed like he, he needed a lot of work, right? The Jets – they don't – Jet fans do not have time to wait for more work. They need somebody – it's kind of like what the 49ers did. They went for Trey Lance, who seems like a a lot a project quarterback, right? If they would have met went with Matt Jones – Matt Jones – they'd have a guy who could probably win with that organization and move on. Now, nothing against Garoppolo, but if they're going to draft a quarterback, to me, if you want to take the window of opportunity now, you go with, with Mac Jones in that draft pick. You don't go with Trey Lance. Trey Lance seems like a huge project. Maybe he's going to be great, but the upside is too long down the road, and the Jets don't have that kind of time. I yeah. mean, at this point, you gotta you got to find somebody, a veteran maybe, that could just lead the way. So, so speaking of the psychology of the game, the Jet, the Jet fan now has expectations that are so low that I don't, I don't even know. Like, I, 
you, you it's so hard to win back the Jet fan, I guess, in my mind. And look, I work for the Giants, right? So I work on the other side of the building for roughly 10 days out of the year. The Giants have expectations. Whether you like the Giants or not, or whether you think they're good or not, the Giants have expectations. This is the team in the modern era that has won Super Bowls and believes that at the start of every season, if things go their way, they are going to the Super Bowl. I like being part of that organization, whether or not you you believe what they're selling or not. The Jets are not that way. You don't look at the Jets at the start of preseason and say, you know what? If things go if things go the right way, the Jets are going to the Super Bowl. But with the Giants, there's that air of positivity and believability where you can where there's some credibility and and you could say if, if things go the right way, the Giants could go to the Super Bowl. So same thing in baseball. The Mets standards are so low, and the Yankee standards, regardless of whether you like them or you like their talent or not, you as a Yankees fan believe every season that there is a path for you to the World Series. It's not the same with the Mets. So that is that is like the, the psychology of the game uh, and of the sport that I like to get into. It, it, there's just there's expectations for some teams and not for others. Well, I agree. I agree 100% with you. It's kind of like the Lions. You're happy to just win eight games. Or, you know, the yeah. Bengals for many years in Cincinnati, they're just happy that they make the playoffs. And it's like you got to expect – like the difference between the Steelers and the Bengals is basically the Steelers think they can win the Super Bowl every year and the Bengals are just happy enough to – you know, make the playoffs and be satisfied with yeah. that. That's kind of like the mantra you just mentioned about the Jets and the Giants. The Jets, they'll be happy with nine and well, nine and eight now. Um, but nine and seven was like, oh my God, we had a successful season. To me, yeah. you know, it's you gotta you gotta win or at least get to the Super Bowl every year. Is like you know, winning one playoff game is not enough either, right? You yeah. got you gotta you gotta strive to win. And I don't understand these organizations that are just happy for mediocrity, right? Yeah. And that's that's what it comes down to. But you're right. Fans of the Lions, fans of the Jets, fans of the Bengals, they're just so excited. I mean, every September and October, the Bengals are 3-0, and and they're ready to have the parade down in Fountain Square. And then as soon as November and December come, you know, when they got to start running the ball, you can't yeah. do it because it's cold and they can't seem to play, right? That it's right. every year it's the same thing. Whereas other teams get better, like New England is just I don't know how they're doing it, but you expect now with Belichick that whoever he has at quarterback that they still have a shot. Yeah. Again, all all about the psychology and show me show me a team that's mapping out a path to the Super Bowl and I'll show you a team that's excited or believing in its quarterback. Because yep. the NFL is a quarterback league. You mentioned the Patriots, Mac Jones on board. Buffalo Bills, laughing stock for years. Not anymore. Nope. Josh Allen's on board, right? The Giants are a believer in Daniel Jones, whether you think you know he needs more time or whatever. They're a believer in Daniel Jones. Uh, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, right? They're starting to believe to a yeah. certain extent. They're like, man, maybe we can win. We got a guy with a winning attitude. Um, so, you know, show me an organization that's got a quarterback on the rise. I'll show you a team that's really starting to feel good about their Super Bowl chances and has rising expectations. Agreed. You got to get it right with the quarterback. The Steelers have been spoiled. Uh, ben Roethlisberger for many for years, sure. right? Yeah. But yeah. they have not come up with a replacement program because Mason Rudolph is just a disaster. Um, he that's can't why play. Ben Roethlisberger is still out there with the, uh, does, 
I don't know what is this something broken? Is he a broken leg? Like whatever the it's guy either. plays on, like week to week, like he's his shoulders out of joint or his leg is broken, is his back is out of place. I, the guy just he just trots out there every week and just freaking he's, wins. He still could throw a touchdown, but I don't know how he's doing it as well. He can't move. He can't do anything anymore. Right. He's a shell of what he was. But even that is still better than Mason Rudolph, isn't that terrible? It's like well, you, but those those guys, and I'll I'll throw Tom Brady in that group as well. Figure out. And, and readily admit, like, you know what? My mobility is not what it was. Not that those guys were ever overly mobile, but they just figured out. They're just tactically smarter, right? I can't hold the ball for that extra split second or I'm going to get drilled because I'm not quick enough to step in or out of the pocket anymore. So they just tactically get savvier and savvier as the years go on. It's true. It's true. And they you're right about the psychology, though. It is just... When you think you can win, if you, I always look at it, even even for people out there that are not sports people in the company, if you go ahead and you work for a you're a, you're a great salesperson and you work for a lousy run organization, you're going to be a lousy salesperson. It's the same kind of deal. You could yeah. you could put Tom Brady on the Jets and something would happen. Look, I mean, the Jets tried it with Favre, and the Jets tried I mean, you put those guys in that situation, and for whatever reason, that organization just doesn't put the energy behind that particular player. So yeah. it's, it is the organization as much as it is the player, too, because you, you have to play for a team that wants to – that wants to be there. I mean, you right. can't just say you put Joe Montana on the Detroit Lions and, you know, all of a sudden the Lions are good. It's not definite, right? It's just, yeah. I mean, that's just the, the way it's been, right? I mean, think about Matthew Stafford over the years. I mean, not a bad quarterback. He was a, he was a you know, he could throw the ball. He had great wide receivers. But again, wide receivers do not win championships in this league. Defense and protecting the quarterback and all that when in this league. So, yeah. you know, when you have your star, and the Bengals seem to do this a lot too, where they make the stars of their wide receivers and draft them very high, when Belichick's like, I'll just throw anybody out there, you know? That's the kind yeah. of, you know, so it's it's the mentality of we have to have that great wide receiver. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's the most important thing in a well, football team. You, you can relate to it, but how about the Mets and Bobby Bonilla? Oh, Man, we got to – Got a superstar player, but often like the Mets are just the, the place where star players go to die. <laughs> exactly. Didn't uh, didn't they have Willie Mays at the end of his career? Didn't right? they? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just seemed like everybody comes to the Mets. Yeah. Carlos Bayerga didn't he? Didn't he yeah, come to the Mets good. and was never any yeah. any good? Who was the other um, when they made the trade? Uh, Von Hate wasn't it? Von Hate? No, no. They made, I'm trying to think of the trade that they made to get. Um, it was. Uh, Lenny Dykstra went to Philadelphia, and, uh, yeah. and okay. wasn't it wasn't Von Hay? I'm trying to think. There was one guy that came back and came to the Mets, and he was just he couldn't do anything. Juan Samuel. They moved Juan Samuel right to center field. Yes, I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, that. and that was not a good move. Yeah, but there was a couple of players that came in that. Um, but yeah, the, it, you're right. It just whatever it, the players go to die, it, no matter who it is. It, you know, like I always say, you know, put Tom Brady on another team and maybe, you know, it's it's all about how you rally around that quarterback too. Yeah. On it. Yeah. But you have this great show in the morning. It, you have your podcast. Why don't you give the people uh so they can find a way to listen to you cuz you you've got it going on with this whole turkey thing. I, I think people need to know hear more about you. Well, it's funny how, how certain things register, right? So we do uh it's a breaking news program. 
news analysis, what's happening in Washington, um, and we're we're non-biased. So uh, sometimes the exhaustion I think of of Washington politics wears people out. So I throw out something like hashtag no turkey on Thanksgiving and suddenly it's just a sweet spot on Twitter and people rally around it and say, yeah, well, you know, think differently about this or no, I agree hundred uh, percent. Just those fun things. Sometimes I can give you a break from the, the nitty gritty politics out of Washington. So uh, it's, it's a breaking news show, lots of news analysis, um, a lot of trendy things, um, car buying, you know, supply chain stuff. Um, anything like super trendy is what we say is on that program and anything you probably need to make you the smartest person when you enter the office, if you still go to an office in the morning. This is true. And you're listening to you. You're, you know, you, I feel smarter already. So that's kind of what, what happens when you listen to, to Gordon Deal in the morning. I'll put the link in the, in the description of the, of the episode so they could go to your website. But why don't you make an announcement of what the website is? Yeah, the website is it's, it's the name of the show plus my name. So it's thismorningwithgordondeal.com. Um, and if you generally just Google my name, Gordon Deal, uh, the website will come up. And there's always a link to a podcast on there or how to find the, the live radio program in the morning generally live five to seven Eastern time. There are a lot of stations that carry the program for three hours, maybe four hours. Uh, it's on about 300 radio stations and change around the country. It is the number one syndicated morning news program in America. And, and I, what's funny is that, so we're on a lot of conservative talk stations, right? So I'm on with um, Hannity or, or Mark Levin or, you know, previously Rush Limbaugh. Um, so immediately people think that, that my program must be a conservative news delivery but it's not and i think that's that's generally i think what people appreciate about it like i'll get my news from gordon deal and then throughout the course of the day i'll start to absorb the more opinion related stuff so you know i give you the equal balance so if i'm going to give you uh mitch mcconnell the senate republican leader in a soundbite i'm going to follow up with chuck schumer the Senate Democratic leader in, in the same story. Uh, so a lot of people struggle with that and think, ah, oh, yeah, you're you crazy liberal, blah, blah, blah. But really, <laughs> they don't understand from having listened to a conservative talk radio station all day that when I come on, I'm really just trying to throw out there, like, here's what happened yesterday. You can kind of decide for yourself who's saying what that might be slanted. But I'm just telling you, this is what happened. And here's who said what. The rest is up to you. Sounds very refreshing uh, to finally get what they call the song, the middle of the road, right? Yeah. Middle of the road. I kind of I kind of like that. Well, you can like Lens Burning Bush on Facebook at Lens Burning Bush. You can follow at Lens Burning Bush on Twitter. Uh, YouTube channel is Lenny L1015 uh, under Len Harvey. You can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. You can even ask Alexa Gordy to play Lens Burning Bush podcast. Make sure you add the podcast at the end of it because you never know what comes up otherwise. But Pandora has us. We're all over the place. Some some countries, actually, it is uh, fun to do it. Thank you for coming on again the second time. We could go on for hours, um, but I appreciate uh, the hashtag no uh, turkey, and I will make sure we follow that up on ours with uh, no turkey. Although, you know, I do like a little bit of turkey, but not not enough to where I'm going to have it on multiple days. You know, right. so just just the one the one day. But right, right. But Gordy, thank you. Uh, hope the family is well, because, uh, you know, it's it's fun doing this. And, uh, 
It is good to see you again. Always good talking to you, Lenny. I appreciate it. Well, thank, uh, thanks to Gordon Deal. I'm Len Harvey. We'll be back with another episode of Len's Burning Bush next week. So long. Happy Thanksgiving to all and to all a good night.